The first reading can be found on page 273 of the Church Bibles beside you. Page 273. It's taken from the first book of Samuel, chapter 2, verses 22 to 36. Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So he said to them, why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favour with the Lord and with people. Now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestor out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your ancestors' family all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honour your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by the people Israel? Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honour me I will honour, but those who despise me will be disdained. The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house, so that no one in it will reach old age. And you will see distress in my dwelling. Although good will be done to Israel, no one in your family line will ever reach old age. Every one of you that I do not cut off from serving at my altar, I will spare only to destroy your sight and sap your strength, and all your descendants will die in the prime of life. And what happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be a sign to you. They will both die on the same day. I will, rise, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house, and they will minister before my anointed one always. Then everyone left in your family line will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver and a loaf of bread and plead, Appoint me to some priestly office so I can have food to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we're going to stand and sing again. The second reading is taken from, the, from St. Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 to 40, and you'll find it on page page 1028. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to, prevent, to present him to the Lord, 
as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of, the, of our Lord, they returned to Galilee and to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your promise to us that your kingdom will come. And Lord, we long for that day when your kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. But until that day, Lord, keep us faithful, keep us watching, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, inspire us now and encourage us from your word for Jesus' sake. Amen. We've been following a series, as Adam's already mind, reminded us, called Christ in All Seasons. And the title I've been given is Full of Years. How do we define full of years? Well, you remember back to the second Sunday of Easter. That's when we began the series. And Psalm 90 said this, Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Our days may come to 70 years or 80, if our strength endures. So there we have it, 70 to 80. Some of you have arrived. Some of us, in spite of appearances, still have yet to achieve that age. I find being close to that age gives me license to be a bit cheeky sometimes. I don't know whether you've ever noticed it, perhaps not. <laughs> 
walking along Albert Road on at least two occasions, people have said to me, hi, gorgeous, to which I've replied, thank you very much. And the look of consternation on the face of the person who said that was wonderful to behold. Oh, you mean the dog? <laughs> and then John Cameron, who's the auctioneer at Nesbitt's, has been appearing on Bargain Hunts. You know that lovely program on TV, about 12.15 to 1 o'clock? And he walked into a shop when I was in CP Fastenings. And I said, oh, I've just seen you on TV. He reached for his pen. I said, would you like my autograph? <laughs> and since then, he's always treated me with some suspicion when I go in to look at the auction. Who is this guy? 70 to 80, well, it would be very easy to be nostalgic and look back and say how things were so much greater and better in days gone by. You remember those heady days when boys and girls courted each other? That's an old-fashioned word, isn't it? They got engaged, they got married, then they had children. And when words such as cool meant just that. How are we meant to live today as Christians in these tumultuous times, whether we've reached fullness of years or whether we're still achieving it? Living as a Christian today in this nation is probably harder than it's ever been and it's not going to get easier. You'd be only too aware of how the press have hounded a Christian politician, even a politically correct one, in a way that people of other faiths, who are less likely to be politically correct, have not been subjected to such scrutiny. And if you're following the uh, events concerning the Democratic Unionist Party, they've been taking a hammering, particularly by the BBC, for being socially conservative, for being pro-life, for being pro-marriage as God intended it to be. It's easy to be discouraged, but in my Bible reading notes a while ago, it said, adopt an overcoming attitude. And it quoted this verse, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And we can take courage from that in these tumultuous times. How are we to live? Well, in Luke 2, Luke brings us uh, the story of Jesus being presented in the temple, presented to God in fulfillment of the Jewish law. But there's an interesting twist in the text. On such a momentous occasion, the focus turns to two servants of God who are in the latter years of their lives, Simeon and Anna. Here are two people who've lived their lives with purpose, and will be blessed by God with the privilege of seeing the Redeemer of Israel. They came to see Jesus, but it's then that the passage invites us to think about and observe. In verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. In verse 36, there was also a prophetess, Anna, with a lovely phrase, she was very old. There are two older servants, these two older servants of the Lord can be an example to all of us of what it means to have a life of fruitfulness and purpose. Firstly, Simeon and Anna waited. We're told in Luke 2, verse 25, Simeon, whose name means God heard, was waiting for the consolation of Israel. 
waiting for the consolation of Israel. That suggests that he was close to God's heart and his prayers had been heard by God. In his senior years, Simeon wasn't focused on material things, but while waiting, focused on what was to come. And for him, it was the consolation of Israel, seeing the Messiah. No doubt a reference to the Messiah, and no doubt he'd been taught the prophecies about the coming of God's King. And the Spirit of God reveals to Simeon a very special promise in verse 26. Simeon, in your lifetime, you will see the Messiah. We're not told exactly when in his lifetime this promise was revealed to him by the Spirit, but you can imagine what was passing through Simeon's mind as the years passed by. The anticipation, the sense of excitement of being able to see God's Christ in the flesh. You get the feeling that Simeon had been waiting for some time for God to fulfill his promise to him, but he waited patiently. And the word wait in this verse means to remain expectant, even though there might be a brief delay. He trusted that God would fulfill his promise to him. We live in a, an age of immediate gratification. We want the world. When do we want it? We want it now. But what we need to remind ourselves of as Christians is that God doesn't work in our time frame. The Bible teaches that a thousand years to us is like a single day to God. Some people, before they die, have a long list of things they want to accomplish before that happens. They call it their bucket list. I don't know whether it's related to the idea of kicking the bucket or not, but um, it's safe to say that Simeon, <coughs> was, there was only one thing on his bucket list, <coughs> to see the consolation, the comfort the Messiah would bring to his people at his coming. <coughs> Simeon was part of a long line of waiting people. David wrote in his psalm, one of his psalms, I wait for the Lord, my whole world, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. Thank you. Sorry, it's being out of practice at public speaking. <clears throat> Another psalmist wrote, wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. I wonder if that's a comfort to you this morning. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Well, Anna's introduced to us in chapter 2, verse 36. Her story is one of sorrow. She's married, she was married for just seven years before her husband died and was left as a young widow. Unusually, she remained single. Anna would spend the whole of her life on her own, trusting in how God would provide for her physical needs. Just pause for a moment while we look after Mary.
So Anna was single. She was willing to live this life on her own because her life was devoted to God and she was waiting for the very best of redeemers. What are we as Christians waiting for? What is the promise that we're waiting to see fulfilled? In many ways, we're all like Simeon. Simeon, confronted with the child Jesus, could have wondered, is this God's solution to the problem? cried out to God and asked him to deliver us in times of need. How many times have we turned to the scriptures and remembered the promises of God that he always answers our prayers? And finally the answer comes and we barely even recognize it because it's nothing like what we expected. And we begin to wonder, is this of God? Is this his answer to our prayers? Simeon and Anna show us that there are better things worth waiting for than the things that we tend to focus on. So much time and energy we give to other things than to God. Young parents have a sense of expectation when the birth of their child is due. How many of us have that sense of anticipation spiritually? As each day gets closer, to meeting our Lord in glory? Do we have that sense of anticipation, this kind of longing? And Paul wrote to Titus to tell him to instruct the Christians in Crete to live in a way that shows they were looking for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Father, Jesus Christ. So we need to wait to anticipate the fulfillment of the promises that God has made to us, just as Simeon and Anna did. To follow Christ means that we need a daily relationship with him. And to be honest, it's not always easy to do that. Sometimes we have a real sense of God's presence with us, and at other times we're distracted by the things about us. Waiting suggests idleness, but following Christ isn't a stagnant process. It's a journey. It's a daily relationship. Sometimes our it takes our commitment to wait, knowing that God keeps his promises, even if they're not instantly kept. He always keeps his promises. Simeon and Anna, secondly, worked. Even in their advancing years, they continued to work for God. Simeon, we're told, was a worker for God. He was righteous and devout. And Simeon's life was characterized by God as one that was virtuous and sincere, unlike the house of Eli in the Old Testament reading that was in chaos morally and spiritually. Simeon was devoted to God and following God's law even at his mature age. He wasn't, to coin a phrase, growing old disgracefully. And while we wait for the coming of Christ, we're encouraged to live holy lives and keeping constant prayer to God. He was the Lord's servant, we're told in verse 29, literally a slave. And sometimes we may think that people are too old, too frail, 
or too limited to be of much use to God. But Simeon's life is a rejection of that notion. And churches need to recognize the value of their seniors and make them feel that they're welcome and part of the church family. Simeon obviously didn't think of himself as of no value. He viewed himself as a servant of God who could do something. We're told that, verse 25, the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit was the one who guided and who directed his life. He was in tune with God and with his revelation. He was blessed with an insight that others didn't have, even some of the disciples. If we want to be filled with the Spirit, then we must be emptied of self. When we're moved by the Spirit, we can declare the wonderful works of God and the things that Christ has done for us. And of Anna, we're told that she was a prophetess and God used her to reveal his truth to others. It's a role she took seriously and spent a long time doing. We're told that she works at the temple all day and sometimes it can feel like we're in church all day and every day. But the text tells us that she never left the temple, probably having a small dwelling there, and she was able to worship God and offer her life in his service. She was uh, fasting and in prayer often. I doubt she was fasting just because she was poor, but rather she was seeking the Lord's will. She wanted to serve people. And she spoke of her Redeemer to others, verse 38. She spoke of the child to all who were looking forward to the coming of their Redeemer. She cared enough about people to tell others about him. So this morning, are we all righteous and devout, counting ourselves as servants of God? Are we those who are prepared to commit time to prayer and, and, and fasting if it's something that we feel we can do? As we relinquish for God, as, rather as we relinquish roles that we undertake for God, we should never say there's nothing more that we can do. It's always the work of prayer and the support of others. And finally, Simeon and Anna worshipped. Notice the responses of Simeon and Anna in this passage. Simeon responds to the fulfillment of God's promise by taking Jesus into his arms and praising God for his faithfulness, giving God worship. Worship literally means worth-ship. God is worth our time and energy and effort, and we worship him. God had given his servant peace because he had seen God's salvation. What else can we do but bless and praise God for all that he's done? And Anna, while well, she worshipped God as well, how important is worship to us? It's a priority for us as Christians, I would suggest, on Sundays. Those of us who tend to come to this service more often than others are of a generation where worship on Sunday is the first thing that we do before anything else. And because we've been brought up to believe that Sunday is a day of rest and worship, worship is our priority. 
walking the dog as I do after church on a Sunday morning, I often see people who would regard themselves as people of St. Jude's who are not in church. It would seem that for, for the younger generation, it's something that they do if nothing else crops up. Simeon and Anna worshipped God. So this morning, God has blessed us with salvation and every spiritual blessing in Christ. We're here today to thank God and praise him for all that he's done for us. We do well to imitate their examples and to strive at whatever stage of life we're in to have faith like theirs. So we can say with the psalmist, Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. We're very aware that not all achieve that fullness of life in biblical terms. The thread that separates life from death is very thin. As we once heard as a family, it's better to have lived 17 years knowing Jesus than 70 years without knowing him. The famous cricketer and missionary C.T. Studd wrote a poem, the last two lines of which say this, I think, helpfully. Only one life, t'will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Whether we achieve the fullness of years in biblical terms or not, what matters is how we live for him today, waiting, working, and worshipping Christ, who alone provides us with the strength and the stability to live lives in the future. As we sit, let's bow our heads to pray. Father, we thank you for the example of Simeon and Anna, for all that they gave to you in their lives and for all that you did for them. Thank you for your faithfulness to us through the years and pray that in the years that are left to us, we may continue to serve you faithfully in the ways that you would have us serve, that we may wait for your coming with eager anticipation, that we may work for you in ways that we're able to do and worship you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.